0: All right, so let's get started.
1: Hello, friends and fiends! Welcome to Bugs Need Heroes, a podcast illustrating the inspiring abilities of insects. I'm Amanda, and I'm
2: Kelly. Before we get started creating a bug-themed character, what's bugging you, Kelly? Oh my goodness. Um. So many things no I just had a I just had a, a molar removed so it has, it's been a horrible week for me.
1: Dental surgery never a good time
2: No although I do have to say my uh, my dent- my surgeon was fantastic and made it as painless as possible.
1: I've heard there's a big difference between going to a dentist and going to like an orthodontist or orthodontal surgeon for these an things oral surgeon yeah
2: yeah well, my dentist was like there's no way I'm qualified to take this tooth out so I'm sending you. To oh, the, I'm, uh, I'm to kicking the up, surgeon. I had to go all the way up to Times Square, which was um, it's a wow. trip. Wow, it was a trip, and then come home on the subway and the ferry. It was a day. But all all week I've been taking many antibiotics, which means I can't go out into the sun. So I'm like a vampire. Oh. And uh, painkillers. Is that a thing? You can't go in the sun when you're on antibiotics? Yeah, antibiotics make your skin very sensitive to sunlight. And I'm already so pale that um, I'm I'm just like asking to become a lobster. Oh, I I guess it's been a while since I took any antibiotics. (laughs) I did not know this. Yeah, yeah. Be be careful. Uh, so I've gotten no work done this week because I felt terrible. And, um, and we missed recording last weekend, which made me sad because I missed you and Derek. Well, you need like one thing
1: to record a podcast
2: and it's a mouth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what's going on with you? Uh, what's bugging me this week? I went to the park trying to get some vitamin D, speaking of being in the sun, into my pale, pale quarantine children. And I was sitting just minding my own business and I feel a pinch on my wrist and some little bug has bitten me. And I was like, oh, dude, I wasn't doing anything to you. Why are you coming at me like this, dude? I immediately slapped it away as you do slap, slap, slap. And then I was like, oh, I should have taken a picture of that <laughs> and sent it. To my podcast friends, so they could identify it for me. Yeah. Uh, so a quick googling revealed that I think it was a lacewing larva, oh. which apparently have a reputation for biting that I did not they know about. Bitey.
2: Yeah, uh listeners, please Google lacewing larvae because there's something to look at. Look at their little jaws. Uh, they. I mean, it got me good. I was like, "Ow!" It didn't <laughs> cause a bump
1: or anything, but I was I. I mean, I definitely noticed it jolted my hand up to slap away at whatever was biting
2: me. Yeah, I don't I don't envy you. I'm sorry that what's bugging you is an actual bug. An actual <laughs> bug this week. Mine was just bacteria. Not quite the same. Mm, delicious.
1: <laughs> a bug of their own kind, I would wager. <laughs> yeah, they do look a lot like the ladybug larva.
2: Yeah, a little bit. Just more
1: pinchy. Ugh, dislike. So this week we're doing the... Emerald Ash Borer. Right, speaking about mean bugs. Speaking of nasty little critters. The other three we've done, I've at least had a passing knowledge of what the bug is, does, or what it's about. Ladybugs, woolly bears, and ants. This is the first bug that I really have no clue about. Because we just haven't had them on the West Coast.
2: No, this is this is brand new for uh, for you guys. Brand new as of June 30th. Um, you now have emerald ash borers in Oregon. We've Been invaded. The in in only Oregon. Spot on the West Coast. Oregon. Am I saying it wrong? Is it Oregon? <laughs> I'm from New Jersey. How do I? How do you say it? It's Oregon. Oregon. Yeah. Oregon. Oregon. <laughs> so pretend that O is an I. Oregon. Yes.
1: I mean, yeah. And crush those vowels. Just they're gone. <laughs> Just you don't need that second one. It's just Oregon. 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 I'm probably still going to call it Oregon. That's fine. <laughs> I was watching some show once and the lady was like, I'm undercover from Portland, Oregon. And I was like, no, you're not. Because if you were really from Portland, Oregon, you would have you would not have pronounced it Oregon. Oregon.
2: <laughs> I come from a very small town, like down the shore in New Jersey, and it's called Forked River. And we knew if you weren't from there because you called it Forked yeah forked river makes yeah. sense
1: like learned versus learned i'm a learned scholar i'm a forked <laughs> river yes
2: there is nothing scholarly about forked river <laughs> i is lived in the, the middle place? of the pine parents <laughs>
1: i've learned all i can from academia time for me to head to the true bastion of knowledge forked river <laughs> Forked River.
2: <laughs> we were called pineys that's how uh that's <laughs>
1: that is something i that People I've encountered from the East Coast do more, which is like name each other's towns. You're like, hey, you up the hillers. Hey, <laughs> yeah, you a little nickname.
2: Yeah. Exit 402ers. You know, whatever it is. <laughs> we don't do that over here. We're very judgy on the East Coast, I think. I mean, maybe I'm
1: on the wrong coast after all.
2: Because I <laughs> love a Oh, Oh, don't I know it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Watch out. Your days are coming. <laughs>
2: well speaking of judging the emerald ash boar sucks it sucks it sucks its leg count is already way low it's it's a zero and i'm gonna preempt this <laughs> by saying zero legs i give it zero oh. it's our first villain amanda
0: <gasps>
1: oh no out here well i mean if they're invading coasts that's it's not hero behavior to invade other people's trees so what is the deal with this guy what makes him the worst
2: So Derek has kindly sent us an image and I forgot about this. Their antennae are kind of curly, like a little mustache, like an evil villainous mustache. Uh
1: Your trees will never be safe from, I don't know why he's also French. Why is he French?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I just, people twirling mustaches are automatically (laughs) French. (sighs) Sorry to our French listeners. Sorry (laughs) if they're already, maybe French Canadian.
1: We might oh. have a couple
2: French-Canadian listeners. I don't <laughs> think we have listeners from France. <laughs> but we would love to. We, we love you, France. We We're love you. We,
1: France, if you want to listen to this English podcast, you know, that's more part Why of you, France. But uh, you are, you know, famous for having mustaches.
2: Anyway, so what's what's this guy do? What's he do that makes that has earned your ire, Kelly? So the uh, Emerald Ashbora belongs to family Buprestidae. Translating it from... It's Greek and Latin. I don't know why we we do that. We put Greek yeah. and Latin together. But the... I hear it really <laughs> annoys
1: language people. Like, huh?
2: Yeah, like, what? But what? I, I love the what the name translates to. It's a poisonous beetle causing the cattle who eat it to swell up. Oh! That is... <laughs> what a family descriptive name! name. <laughs> you know, I complain often about
1: are bad naming conventions. Hey, look at that bird. It's blue. It's a blue bird. Look at yeah. that snake with a rattle. It's this a one is very specific. Snake. This one, they knew though I gotta talk about this specific beetle. It's the one <laughs> the cows eat it and they have a bad time.
2: But the main deal with this with this family is they're wood burrowing or tree burrowing beetles. So they lay their larvae in trees. And that's kind of why the emerald ash borer is such a pain in the in the butt here. I take it it's not good for the trees to get bored into. It's very bad for the trees. Oh. I guess luckily they only affect ash trees. I think there was one incidence of them burrowing into a, uh, a different species of tree. I don't think it really led to much damage. But with ash trees, they completely decimate the trees. So let's, I guess, let's get into a little bit of their their life history here to explain just why they suck so very hard. <laughs> they <laughs> suck so bad. So they're native to East Asia, China, I think Korea, Japan, Eastern Russia. Although they've since invaded Western Russia into Moscow and they're eating the ash trees there. And they, they don't really have defenses for that.
1: Hold on. Can you stop, uh, sorry, I just heard a police siren. and I can't tell if it was on my
2: end or not.
0: Uh, Do you hear it, it now? Was- it looks it sounds like it stopped, but we it okay. did come through a okay. little bit because there's so. a police
2: siren happening right now next to me. Okay, then right, so maybe that, that's where it just, is. Just... just pause for a second while it passes <laughs> by. <laughs> that's weird. You can hear it on my on my microphone.
1: It's faint, but it's it's enough there that if I was listening to a podcast, I would notice it.
2: Yeah. Well, wait. Can you let me know when it stops? Because I can. It's still happening.
0: We're not hearing it now, so I think you're going yeah I think you jump good back now. to discussion of the rain and we'll just okay. yeah go, go back to right. it's from Eastern Asia yeah.
2: yeah so it's it's from East Asia, uh, China, Japan, Korea, and the eastern part of Russia. Um, Although it's it's since invaded Western Russia into Moscow, Uh, and they they feed on ash trees. And then they do that in their native range, they feed on ash in, in China, but they only feed on ash trees there that have experienced some kind of trauma, or if they're sick or dying. Here, the problem is they're feeding on our healthy ash trees.
1: So normally they would find, they'd be more of a recycling niche where like, this tree's not doing well. We just got to get rid of it to make room for a good tree.
2: Right. Yeah. They feed on the weak, the dying. <laughs> oh no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's our, our other trees just weaker because they didn't co-evolve alongside these beetles or it's just one of those things. Just one of those things.
2: Yeah. So the problem when we get invasive species is that everything over in their, their new their new ecosystem, does not have a resistance to this animal. Predators don't know what this animal is. Some predators can't eat them. So when you introduce an organism into a new area, there are a lot of problems that come with it. Um, Our ash trees, something about them, uh, it just allows... Allows this this species to eat them while they're healthy, whereas the Asian ash trees may have some kind of genetic or chemical defense against them while they're healthy, and ours just don't. Um, when two things are co-evolving together, you, you get this. Uh, in ecology, we call it like the arms race. So they're always one upping each other right. for survival.
1: Right, and that's where a lot of our spicy foods and stuff come from. Right, mm-hmm. is the idea that plants are trying to be like, "Don't eat me! I'm spicy and nasty," <laughs> and humans are like, "Ooh, delicious." <laughs>
2: Yeah, if if you're my brother, the spicier the better. Uh, a lot of a lot of folks like spicy. Not me. I'm a I'm a wimp. I can't even. I can barely handle jalapeno.
1: Yeah, jalapeno <laughs> is probably where my comfort level is. Like I can eat a jalapeno and not want to. <laughs> so now all the listeners watch They're like
2: you these two these two don't know what they're talking about well, the listeners have just discovered we are white we are ha- <laughs> <laughs> listeners i'm sorry to
1: inform you that we have white baby mouths we why wi- <laughs> we have the mouths of pansy white women of white babes
2: white babes <laughs> new jersey and
1: oregon and their exotic cuisine have not
2: prepared us <laughs> My, my Polish upbringing did not prepare me for spicy. We're just my, not spicy people. Uh, no. <laughs> just, just sausagey. You just love a good sausage. We're smoky and sausagey and potatoey.
1: Yeah. we. Our family history is mostly the Scandiwegian countries. And yeah, it's similar levels of... Yeah, we've got to make it through the winter with our cured meats. <laughs> I love a cured meat, though.
2: Yeah, I mean, nothing wrong with the cured meat, I say. So they get to the United States, to North America specifically, because they're also in parts of Canada. They're in, uh, I think, five provinces of Canada. I'm probably saying someone's going to bust me on how I say Canada, too. (laughs) (laughs) You're a lot closer to Canada, so maybe you'll get away with
1: it. Excuse me, it's (laughs) Kanada.
2: Yeah, someone's going to get me. That's okay. Don't at me, guys. So they come in from probably China into Michigan. uh, And they come via wooden pallets, uh, nursery trees. So if you're shipping ash trees from China to here. And then from there, they start to spread. And that spread happens, again, because of wooden pallets and also firewood. Please, listeners, don't take firewood across state lines. This is how we transport invasive species. It's just not a good idea. Not every animal in the United States is uh, cosmopolitan, right so mm-hmm. I'm thinking of it, uh, an example the common water snake here on the East Coast very common from Colorado to Florida and then up to I think New York. but it's since been moved over to California. And now that North American, that United States species, is an invasive species in California. So just because we're all in the same country doesn't mean we can't spread invasives around. You know what I mean?
1: That's so interesting. I never would have thought about wood being a harbor of invasive species. They take your grapes at the border between Oregon and California. It's like, <laughs> no free. But they've never asked me if I have any, like, wood. They take your grapes? They do take your grapes. I'm not sure what, <laughs> but they're like, do you have any fruit to declare? I'm like, I've got these grapes. They're like, those are our grapes now. So maybe the border <laughs> people just wanted my grapes, but they definitely took
2: maybe them. Maybe they were hungry. They
1: were just like, "Mmm, these Winco green grapes, delicious. Need
2: them." <laughs> well, there there could be the issue of uh, transporting fruit flies, maybe. With food oh. grapes, right? I mean, I, I get it. I don't it with know. Food, I don't know what you're dealing I feel like on the West
1: Coast. Yeah. <laughs> I get it with food because it feels like animals hide in food. Like you always hear the rumors about there was a tarantula in the bananas, you know, that sort of stuff.
2: Oh, yeah. That, that, um, the banana spider. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That, um, highly venomous.
1: It <laughs> comes at you while you're just, I'm just freaking out groceries and they're coming for you. Uh, <laughs> So I get the fruit, but I just have just never considered other things that
2: bugs might be hiding in or snakes sounds like. But yeah, firewood. Please don't move firewood around. Get firewood when you get to that place. You don't need to carry it with you. It's really dangerous for the local flora and fauna to be bringing in these these outside outside wood sources. And that's kind of how it's since spread. So we have we now have the emerald ash borer and 30 I thirty-five states here in the U.S.,
1: including now my precious baby state of Oregon, Oregon, <laughs> Oregono. Uh, <laughs> just like you said, just like on the thirtieth, they they've arrived here, and now I have to worry about these little oh yeah
2: these little menaces in my trees. And it's funny; it's not it's not just it's not just people spreading them. So once they get here, they can fly, right? So these, like most beetle species, they they have wings. I would say that this particular species has, for a superpower, Amanda, if you want to give them this, super flight Oh,
1: okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm making my notes.
2: So the females can fly up to 12 miles a day Whoa. For, six, for six weeks after mating. 12 miles. For six Is the mating somehow
1: giving them the ability to go so far? Or... So, are they trying to find a place to lay their eggs after mating, and that's why they're like, "Yep, yeah, they need to disperse. get out of here.
2: You got to disperse so that you can oh, move your. So They can invade. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you you give your offspring the greatest chance of survival by not putting it with a bunch of other soon to be babies, right? Right. I mean that makes perfect sense. And they and they have power to fly like this because they're they're kind of big. They're between 0. 0.3 and 0. 0.5 inches for the, the beetle, for the adult.
1: Oh, Google shows a little picture of them on a penny. They're about the, looks like they're about the size of a penny. Uh, so give us, a, a if you could, from an ecologist's point of view, a rundown of what this beetle looks like. Because I assume people don't know what it looks like the same way I didn't know what it looks like. It's called emerald, so I assume it's green.
2: Yeah, they're a really, really beautiful, shiny emerald green color. They're hard to miss. I, I encourage the listeners to pull up a, an image of them, actually, because they're, I think, pretty stunningly beautiful. And they have really big compound eyes, which are also kind of shiny. I'm going to actually pull a picture up right now for myself. Yeah, they're almost a grasshopper-like in their their length. And they frequently get confused with tiger beetles. So please don't freak out if you see any green beetle, because uh, it could be something <laughs> else.
1: <laughs> don't discriminate against these yeah. beetles. Really, Don't, don't, don't be mad get to know at all first. the
2: beetles. Yeah. Get to
1: know him say oh you are a villain after all and then you'd send them to the beetle police.
2: so if you're on the lookout for them the uh, adults are about the size of a penny so about half an inch but the larvae are really long they're about one and a half inches oh but you won't see you won't see them because they'll be in the tree in the tree part of the tree
1: so an inch and a half down to smaller than a penny in length they they really shrink down to become an adult
2: (laughs) Yeah, sometimes you, you got to you gotta take all that protein and, and make it a little bit smaller. You got to be a woolly bear and become <laughs> Isabella Tiger Moth. What a beauty. What a beauty what a she beauty. is forever our queen. <laughs> Isabella! Um, uh, I feel like I want a shirt with the Isabella Tiger Moth now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: if you need to know who I answer to, it's Isabella Tiger Moth. <laughs> So they're they're this beautiful green color. Oh, they yeah, got these they're... little round head. They got these big black villainous eyes. And they how do they bore into the trees just with their mouth?
2: Yeah, they just chomp their way in. Wow. And then they uh, so the adults will the female will lay eggs inside of just under the bark where the softer tissue of the mm-hmm. ash tree is. One female can lay between 60 and 100 eggs in her lifetime. Right. So she'll lay more than once.
1: How long is the lifespan? Are they just one season and done? Or are uh, they?
2: They're about one. It could be one to two years, depending mm-hmm. on when the eggs are laid and the temperature in that, that area. It might need like an extra season to go from. Because just like the, like liquor like Isabella the, uh they go from egg to larvae to pupae. And then adult, so they have a complete life stage, Ah. a complete life cycle. Um, The eggs take about seven to ten days to hatch, and then we have these long, really gross-looking larvae.
1: Let me let me quickly look for a larva here.
2: Everyone, oh no, oh no! They look
1: like they're like tapeworms (laughs) with beaks. Yeah, they're like tapeworms. They look like when you uh, scrunch up the paper on your straw, and then you get it wet, so it evolves. (laughs) they do kind That's of look like what that. they look like they look like a soggy
2: straw wrapper i would have never thought of that comparison amanda That's well
1: welcome like, to the wacky mind of Amanda.
2: <laughs> it's a never a dull moment oh wow mm-hmm. so they're and they're just as hungry as our willy bears so many of them are hungry for trees hungry for trees
1: is it so this ash tree defenseless is being invaded by these little munchers how long are
2: they munching away at these guys at the trees i should say uh they they munch all all summer into about august and the problem so the big problem with these guys is they feed in an s-shaped pattern so like just they're kind of like I know listeners can't see me, but I'm making like a wiggly hand movement for Amanda to see. (laughs) So they're meandering back
1: and forth through the branches of these trees.
2: Well, through, through the, underneath the bark. And uh, what this does is it cuts off. The, the xylem and the phloem, these are the capillary systems that allows plants to get nutrients from their roots to the leaves. But when you make this s shaped cut into the tree, all over the tree, mm-hmm. those nutrients have a tough time getting to the top. And then we start to see die off from the tree, from the leaves.
1: You're just more likely to cut off supply chains if you go back and yeah. forth. Yeah, back yeah. And
2: forth. It's like COVID, but for trees. <laughs>
1: Yum. Yeah. <laughs> So, how quickly can they kill a tree? Uh, an infestation uh, of these guys it
2: depends on how infested the tree is, mm. but it, it can be it can happen pretty quickly, and not. But the what we're seeing is so we have I think nine species of ash in in North America. Although I don't know what's going on in Oregon, guys. Because, yeah, I know. Uh, when I look at the USDA, uh, check USDA for for species. Of um ash, they tell me nine, but Oregon State University says there's sixteen. So, oh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with plants are weird. Uh, plant plants are weird. So between what? nine and sixteen species of ash. What's um, that
0: podcast, Eric? Where are the arborists or
2: something like that?
0: Completely arbitrary. They completely also did arbitrary. an episode about one of the ash trees okay so Uh, do
1: we want to shout them out right now or not
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's a good podcast
2: i I would yeah i haven't listened to it yet but I, i really should um anyway out of out of all these species of ash we are seeing that the blue ash has some resistance to the emerald ash borer so there's there's hope there's hope
0: I think the difference between the two numbers of ash species is probably including ornamental varieties versus native varieties.
2: Oh, maybe because they were not explicit about that on the website. They just said sixteen. Well, I'm just going to go with nine. There we go. Um, Here's a here's a clip. Uh, In North America, there are nine species of ash tree. They're better. Yeah, that sounds like they mean
0: endemic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, I would guess over a university. Yeah,
0: uh, Oregon State is a big forestry school.
2: They yeah they must be counting cultivars mm. and yeah. um, non natives. Oh, there's
0: there's a- two divisions within that school. There's the green tree people, and then there's the brown tree people. So the forestry department is is split between industry and ecology. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah buddy like a buddy of mine got
2: rivalry. a forestry degree. But you tree hugger. <laughs> the people who want to nurture the trees and the people who want to cut them down. Who
0: want to use Bo- their bodies. <laughs> Oregon has really strict rules about reforestation. So like mm-hmm. if you for every tree you cut down you have to plant a new one. Oh that's so. nice. Yeah.
2: We have that in New Jersey, but only in specific neighborhoods. Like my oh. friend lives in a neighborhood where if you cut a tree down from your yard, you have to replace it. Tree law, tree law, yeah, tree law. <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of annoyed by it, but I'm like, this is great. It means your neighborhood is always fully treed. Mm-hmm. You know, Our neighbor's somewhere-
1: got this oak tree that he's dying to cut down, but no one will let him because you have <laughs> to like submit. And it's a... I think it's called an asset to the community is what they call it. Oh. When you're well, not allowed that, to...
0: that one's giant. yeah. It's, it's
1: big. Fresh. It's big. Why would you cut down a big tree like that? I think he's worried about it falling on his house. But it's a yeah. healthy tree, so they if won't let him healthy, cut it down. it's healthy, it's fine. Yeah. Just yeah.
2: trim the trim the branches at least so you're not going to get branch fall on your roof. Yeah. Yeah. You guys only have one species of ash called the Oregon ash.
1: Oh, aptly named then.
2: You probably have non-endemic. But you only have one endemic species. That was according to your Oregon State University. Yeah.
1: Those those tree-loving Oregonians. Yeah. A bunch of tree-hugging hippies.
2: So yeah, you guys have uh, one endemic species of ash called the Oregon ash. And that, that actually is a little scary because if you only have one. Oh yeah, I had to consider. I was like, oh, so we've only got to look out for that one.
1: But now we've only got to look out for mm-hmm. that one. Because <laughs> if he gets it, it's got
2: yeah, there's nobody else we could replace it with. That's pretty frightening, but there's there's been well,
1: so do just the larvae cause damage to the trees or do they get got as adults too? Do the adults also harm the trees?
2: So the uh, the adults eat the leaves. Oh, so this the poor ash trees are kind of taking it from both ends here. So if you notice a lot of leaf damage as well, yeah, how do I know if my tree's been infected? Oh boy. Lots of indicators. So look for that swirly S pattern. You can see that uh, in the tree because mm-hmm. the bark will kind of fall off, and then you can see the, the way the S the S shape emerges. Um, there's also D-shaped holes, and this is where the adults come out after they hatch, after they emerge from their pupa. And you'll find crown defoliation, so the top the top part of the tree, the leaves will be kind of falling off or, or missing. And there's vertical cracks that'll run up and down the tree as well from all the damage from the larva and, and and this is a common a common stress response for trees is uh you'll see fresh shoots like kind of new looking branches coming out from the base of the tree around the roots and you see this sometimes in like city trees that aren't ashes it's a stress response for the tree it just starts dumping out as many root shoots as possible to save the tree oh so it's it's trying to be i'm gonna live i'm gonna live i just gotta get away <laughs>
1: I just got to get something out there. Yeah. Something out there and I'll I'll live through my new shoots. So I'm looking at my tree, I'm trying to make sure it's healthy. I see these squiggle marks. I see these little D-shaped holes from them getting out and munching all my leaves. What can I do? Do I have to just
2: scrap the whole tree and start again or is there anything I can do to save my little baby ash tree? So in Oregon Specifically, you can call 1-866-INVADER, I-N-V-A-D-E-R, to report any ash trees. You can also go online. Most states will have either a phone number or uh, an invasive species hotline you can call or a website form. In our field notes for the, for the listeners, if you go to our website, I have a link for you for the USDA's website that you can report in. And also uh, an external link to Emerald Ashbor info, uh, which will give you a specific state loadout of who to call, where to report it to, whether it be a website or on the phone. But definitely report them if you see them in your state. Unless it's Michigan, they're not interested in more reports. <laughs> they
1: said, We know.
2: We know already. So, is there any hope for us out here with our new invader? What can we do? Uh, you- well, the, the trees that were suffering from infestation th- there where you are in, in Oregon, they were mulched. You got to mulch mulched. the tree. You can't <laughs> save fed. the tree. Yeah. We're starting over. This has got to go. Any bugs inside getting mulched. Yeah. Anything inside has to be destroyed. Gave them the Fargo treatment. <laughs> yes. Yeah, give them a foot. The Fargo. <laughs> not even a foot. We got nothing. We don't want nothing. anything left. Well, they're really small.
1: I feel like at least one of them is going to get through that mulcher. That's probably true. Oh. Probably a bunch, a bunch of little feet. Oh. <laughs> just a, just <laughs> dozens of tiny little tiny antenna-like little feet. feet. That's a that's strangely adorable.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the larvae have feet too, technically. Uh, not so, those guys. Tiny, tiny feet.
1: Uh, so let's let's go over these villain-esque qualities uh, and talk about what I've drawn so far. Okay, let me toss him to you in the chat real fast. Oh, I can't here. wait to see. I need to go over his lines again because they're a little... Oh, no. Oh. Uh, they're a little rough. I'll, I'll go through them again and make them... Actually, let me do that first. Let me do the hard lining before I
2: send him your way. Sure. I'm just um, looking at images of the <laughs> Emerald Ashpore. I've never seen one in person. Uh, honestly
1: oh so you've never even
2: though they're over there you've never we've seen got one. them i've just never seen one yeah i'm pretty sure i've seen what the what an infestation looks like i've seen these the s-shaped i recognize squiggles. this s-shape there must be something else that does this because i am having
1: memories of of birch trees with this on it which is not the same kind of tree obviously
2: other other boring beetle larvae will probably make similar uh similar patterns
1: Oh, I don't want it to be that. I'm on the wrong layer. The bane of my existence.
2: <laughs> you know, I was looking up ash and um the word ash comes from the old English Ask, which means spear. Um and ash tree ash tree branches are so straight they used to use them to make spear shafts. Oh, interesting. I thought that was kinda cool. Yeah, it's a cool name.
1: I wondered so much about naming conventions this episode. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to do this quickly, but No, you're fine. All right. Let me give him a couple more sparkles on his beautiful. Okay, here we go. Save. Oh, so let's go quickly over what I've drawn so far and see what we need to uh, add to him. Sure. I've done a curly, curly mustache as we (laughs) must. I kept him a little bit more cartoony because I felt like the (laughs) the real life threat of him was a little too imposing. (laughs) He needs to be a little bit, a little bit cartoony to save my well-being. I gave him a fancy jacket, coattails because of that long body he has oh.
2: uh, he oh, he's, has he's excellent he
1: has i gave him card sort of decimation powers in this squiggle shape that he leaves <laughs> behind so he can. I, I imagine suck the life out of something that's a very villainous like power he's like
2: a like a necromancer
1: yes yes very necromancer as i would say Is that, what you <laughs> <laughs> uh, that we found another dialect difference between oh, us yeah. and then of course because he's an ash borer i've given him a chainsaw for a hand
2: <laughs> i love i love the uh, little evil evil dead reference there with the chainsaw <laughs> hand and ash cute
1: you got it. you gotta sneak him in where you can't cute he looks plus fantastic. i think there's something very funny about a man in coattails <laughs> with a chainsaw
2: for a hand elegance he is very elegant
1: so when I toss some color on this guy, I'm obviously going to color him green with some sparkly essence upon it.
2: Is there a reason why they're green and sparkly like that? So the the neat thing about um, metallic colors, specifically, we see them in beetles a lot. Um, they don't come from the, the pigmentation. They come from uh, ridges on their bodies. And the, these ridges act kind of like a bunch of lenses coming together. And lenses will either cancel or amplify uh, wavelengths to show you what color we're going to see. Um, I guess a good comparison is, you know, when you flip a DVD over and it's got that rainbow color? Ah, uh, yes. That it's the same property. We don't really know why they why they do this, why they're this this kind of neat uh, metallic color. It could either be for mate attraction, or I've read that it could be to mimic raindrops on leaves. Oh. So a raindrop on a leaf is also a lens. And you'll get that rainbowy color in a raindrop. So perhaps similar, similar properties. But pretty neat. So camouflage. I would say they, they can kind of camouflage. Cause, yeah,
1: because I would say birds love shiny things. You don't <laughs> want to be shiny unless you can look like a raindrop, in which the bird may ignore you because they're like, eh. See so it might not notice you from from above. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Sorry. I've just realized as you were describing that. The the place I think I've seen similar beetles. I don't think it was this exact beetle, but there's this famous dress that an actress wore for Lady Macbeth that is covered in green beetle I guess they're called cases, you know, beetle cases. Oh carapace. It's shimmering and yeah, yeah. So there's this famous Macbeth Lady Macbeth dress that's covered in these beetle wings that makes her green and shiny. And I've just realized as you were describing that, this is where I've seen the beetle before is on this dress. Let me quickly send you a picture of it.
0: I just put a link in there. Oh, okay. Great,
1: great, great. Yeah. Derek. The, oh, wow. So this is the painting of it, which is how I know about it is because it's art history, this, this painting. So I guess beetle wings were like a thing for a while in fashion history. Oh my history.
2: God. That's beautiful. That These is ones look really... a little bit
1: more shiny, okay. a little less iridescent. Wow.
2: Oh, that's so cool. I want a dress made out of beetles. Is that too much to ask? Yeah. This is the dress I tried to
1: replicate for my friend's wedding that I was the, uh, I was the officiant for. She was like, I want you to look as much like a witch as possible while still being (laughs) wedding appropriate. So I went with a Lady Macbeth route. (laughs) So there's this dress and it's covered in these beetles. That was a real thing there for a while was covering stuff in decorative beetle wings all throughout fashion history in particular. But they did a art installation not that long ago, I I think in Brussels, in the Palace of Brussels, with a million and a half of these beetles, just their beautiful green carapaces I think is what you call them. Oh, wow. All on the ceiling. And so the whole room, and I think a chandelier as well, just shimmers in this green beetle effect. Oh, that's so cool. It's really, really beautiful.
2: It does make me like what happened to the Beatles? A well, now, now a I beetles a million and a half beetles now I want a dress and a ceiling cover, covered in repested beetles
1: when you become your own bug themed like villain you of course <laughs> will become this like Maleficent esque creature <laughs> who lives in a palace of shimmering beetle wings and covered wears, in beetles <laughs> covered in beetles yourself long drapery Uh, (laughs) sleeves that bell from here to there
2: i love this i love um thinking about insects and culture and where they they kind of fit into our it's very neat
1: well a lot of our paints and stuff a lot of our dyes are also crushed bugs so i having not encountered the this bug myself all my murder stories for the bug are art history of all the things we've crushed and dissected in the name of fashion So we have our our villain rather than a hero this week. Who would be the hero counterpart to this villain?
2: Oh, boy. Woodpeckers, for one. Woodpeckers do eat these. And if you see a, a tree covered in, an ash tree covered in woodpecker holes, it might be infested with the emerald ash borer. And they're trying to get to them. Trying to get them. But for insects parasitoid wasps
1: <gasps> the wasp returns
2: <laughs> i know everyone hates wasps but this these there's a, a few species in china that specifically predate um, the emerald ash borer they lay their eggs where the the larvae is and the eggs hatch and then they eat the larvae it's pretty metal, actually, as far as the uh, predation method goes. And we've, we've actually imported, I think, four of those species. So in 2007, in the U.S., we started to, to breed them and then release uh, three, I think then was three species of this wasp. And then in 2020, the USDA reared about 550,000 parasitoid wasps. That was four different species, Whoa. and they released them to over 240 sites, uh, and it's working. And that's all
1: just an effort to get rid of this beetle.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we call that biological control measures. Isn't
1: there a whole uh, sometimes... episode of The Simpsons about why we shouldn't do that sort of stuff? Yeah. Yes,
2: yes, <laughs> uh, it can be very tricky. Uh, hopefully we don't have any repercussions down the line. We
1: don't create a old lady and the fly situation where I have. And so that's releasing jaguars.
2: Yeah.
0: Yes. But there have been successful parasitoid wasp introductions to the U.S. as biological control agents.
2: Yeah, they work pretty well. They tend to be fairly taxa specific for hosts, oh. which is nice. It makes it so they don't go go wild and kind of get everything.
1: So out of out of the six legs, you
2: preemptively say at the beginning that you think it's zero out of zero legs. Do you stand by that rating? I'm gonna give it two ratings. So as as a bug because I don't want it here and it's an invader, hard zero. Could I make a whole dress out of it? Six legs. Yeah. There you go. Yes. Use this decoration. Excellent.
1: Absolutely. If I can <laughs> ten ten minutes, if I can display its dead body
2: upon mine, then <laughs> on I on will... <laughs> my living body That's <laughs> to I remind mean. it who's boss. <laughs> who's the ecologist here? It's me. it's me.
1: <laughs> who's the doctor now?
2: Oh, it's not, it's not, not you.
1: Almost. No, you're nearly <laughs> there. You're nearly your a doctor of bugs.
2: I'll, I'll be very excited when you can ask me what's bugging me, and I can say I'm a doctor. I'm now. a doctor now. <laughs>
1: I would say that this villain many- is also a doctor because there's some real Dr. Robotnik-esque <laughs> vibes going on. Is it obvious that I had to watch Sonic the Hedgehog 2 about
2: six times this week? <laughs> uh, well, how many legs would you give me? Um,
1: what do you think? I think invasive, that's, that's a hard drop in score. It looks great. And I will say it's really great at what it does, which for better or for worse... Be decimated. yeah i mean be good at your job even if that job sucks there's something to that i'm gonna give it uh i'm gonna give it a leg i'm gonna give it a single solitary leg
2: <laughs> one leg maybe i'll give it half a leg. half a leg <laughs> i like think it fell off when i was trying to collect it a, <laughs> a twitching nasty little leg <laughs> it happens sometimes they're very delicate most bugs are i'm afraid Bugs
1: Need Heroes is created by Derek Conrad and Kelly Zimmerman. Hosted by Amanda Allen Nyday and Kelly Zimmerman. Bugs Need Heroes is produced and edited by Derek Conrad. Our music is Ladybug Castle by Roll Music. All art is provided by Amanda Allen Nyday. Got a bug question? Email us at bugsneedheroes at gmail.com. Check us out on bugsneedheroes.com for the visual companion to our episodes with the artwork of the bug-related heroes. We also have an Instagram, Twitter, and subreddit under the Bugs Need Heroes name. Thanks for coming by. I forgot what I was going to say.